Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me on the web at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com. I wanted to talk to you today about getting an independent witness to your slip and fall, your car crash, and how the independent witness matters. So, one of the most important things to do after you're hurt is to do, you know, what to a lawyer is considered evidence collection. So, whip out your phone, take photos of whatever you fell into, what caused your injury, your car, the other car, you know, the deer you hit, or the person who hit you, their license plate, you know, how your cars were situated, just take a ton, as my older daughter would say, a crap ton of photos, first of all. Because you never know what matters. You know, the person who hits you may say, oh, no, 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 our cars were side by side. But if you have a photo showing they were head on, okay, that's enough of that. So first of all, that. Second of all, call your lawyer. Call me, call somebody else. Why? Because I have a, you know, private investigator who will run out to the scene and grab video from all the nearby storefronts or pick up the bumper you know that was launched off your car um and then when the claim rep says oh no that was a prior damage to your bumper you know no i've got the bumper well how do you have the bumper well my guy went and got it so you know stuff like that that you know yeah you're hurt you're you're not thinking about that stuff call your lawyer your lawyer will do that stuff for you you know if if they're on their ball if they're on the ball What else matters about independent witnesses? So the biggest thing in personal injury cases is the credibility of the injured person or the plaintiff. A lot of these cases are soft tissue cases. You know, there's nothing broken, you know, and you look okay, but you actually can't bend over. Or you spend six months in physical therapy because you're straight as a board and you're in pain all the time. You know, to a Republican tort reformer, that's a soft tissue injury not worth worrying about and should be banned. To an injured person, it freaking hurts. So what is the jury or the claim representative or the lawyer on the other side, what's their kind of prime directive or their their bias? It is that you're making this up. This is all in your head. They'll find a doctor to say you're making this up, etc., etc. So how do you, what's the best way to fight against you're making this up? Well, in terms of what happened at the crash or at the fall, the best way to fight against that is an independent witness, someone who is does not have anything to gain. And, you know, sometimes a witness can hurt you. Sometimes they can help you. I'm, I'm in the middle of a case right now where... You know, a witness says, you know, to the police that the guy was speeding, and my guy was speeding, and he ran a red light. Okay. So, well, what do you do with that? Do you put your head in the sand, you know, and not talk to that person? No. What I did is what I would, you know, counsel most lawyers to do, and I hope most lawyers would do, is, hey, look, (laughs) if someone's going to say something harmful about you or your case or about the situation, let's have them give a deposition. 
send a letter, ask for their deposition, send a subpoena, set it up with the other side. Let's let's at least get them under oath telling their side of the story about what happened. Hey, maybe your guy made a mistake. Maybe my client is at fault. I don't know. But if you put the person under oath, most people take the oath very seriously. And, you know, they're willing to tell what they remember seeing. And under decent cross-examination, as nice as, as it can be, most people will agree with me that they couldn't see certain things, or they could, or this is what they remember, and this is what they don't remember. And all of a sudden, you know, what you often find is, oh, no, I didn't tell the police officer that. He just wrote that down. He made that up. Okay? <laughs> all right? So that's helpful for you. You know, I have other cases where insurance companies do a whole investigation, and they basically build my case for me because I know what the person's going to say, and they can't really go back on their recorded statement. You know, I have a, I had a case once where a guy said... I was going 100 miles an hour, at least 100, and the claim rep said 10 miles an hour, and the guy said, no, 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 110 miles an hour. (laughs) So when the judge, you know, and then the defense lawyer at trial tries to say, oh, no, no, that's not a punitive damages case. What does the judge said? The judge said, oh, come on, you got to be kidding me, of course. What are you doing driving 110 miles through Philadelphia? So, you know, independent witnesses witness investigation, they all make a difference. And, you know, even if a lot of times what happens is the insurance company doesn't know very much about the case at the beginning of the case, and they take a statement and they ask sort of silly questions and they're not professional lawyers. So they just kind of follow a script. And sometimes and oftentimes they they get things wrong and they're helpful to me as the plaintiff's lawyer even if there's some part of it that might be harmful, there's helpful information in there. You know, oh, you saw this? Yeah, I saw this. Oh, and you think my client was a fault? Yes. Okay. What Was my client hurt? Oh, yeah, she was banged up. <laughs> okay. So I, I can fight about all day long about who was at fault in a lot of situations. But, you know, if the independent person said, oh, yeah, she, she, was, she was hurt. You know, what's the defense lawyer supposed to do with that? You know, what's the defense doctor who's saying, oh, no, no, she's not hurt. This should have all resolved. You know, when the independent witness is saying, oh, God, she was mauled. So, look, there's a lot of ways that independent witnesses can be very helpful in pursuing your case. And the most helpful thing they can do is verify some of the facts that your client's saying. And even if they have some harmful information, you know, even if they say, oh, your client was walking around fine after the accident, and then you know your client went to the hospital later that day vomiting or complaining of concussion and hasn't been able to work since, you're going to discard, everyone's going to discard what the independent witness is saying, but that witness could verify exactly how the accident occurred and put that issue to rest. So, you know, and look, there are times when an independent witness will kill your case. But it's better to know that ahead of time and to have deposed that witness and to be able to tell, you know, me to tell my client, hey, look, you got to settle this thing or drop it. You're, you're going to lose this one. Um, you know, that's better to know now or in the middle of discovery than, you know, at trial on the eve of trial when the witness comes in. There's another kind of 
option or possibility that occurs, I'd say, you know, 30 to 50% of the time. And that is that I send a letter to the witness saying, please contact me, and there's no response. I send another letter, no response. I send a subpoena to testify to the person's last known address or to their address, and there's no response. I ask the court to, you know, force them to come in. The court says, okay, and then either the sheriff won't find them or so, or, or the issue is dropped. I ask the court then or at some point in the future to preclude the witness from testifying at trial because they've been unresponsive to the court's order to appear. So then at least I know that the witness, helpful or harmful, is not going to come in and give a statement that's harmful to my guy when I haven't had a chance to um, take a deposition, figure out what they're going to say, what the strengths or weaknesses are in their statement. So, you know, that's important to me is that, look, if you can't get someone to come in because they don't want to come in, um, you know, you want to button that down, lock that up and make sure that, you know, they're not going to come in and harm you down the road. Sometimes you got to fly by the seat of your pants at trial if people just appear out of nowhere. But, you know, it's effective cross-examination to say, sir, do you live at this address? Yes, I do. Did you get this letter? No, I didn't. Did you get this letter? No, I didn't. Did you get this subpoena? No, I didn't. Did you get this order from the court to appear? No, I didn't. Okay. You know, why are you here now? Oh, well, the defense lawyer, you know, found me and got me to come in. Oh, okay. Why didn't you come in when I asked? Uh... Okay, so, you know, that's how that plays out. Basically, you want to lock the person down as, as an unfriendly witness to your person. All of a sudden, they're no longer so independent. So, but regardless, if someone's going to help you or hurt you, put them under oath, get a deposition taken, and, you know, reevaluate your case at that point. All right, that's enough for today on The Independent Witness. I hope you have a great day. This has been Ask Andy. I hold people accountable.